So good morning to all of you and welcome. It's really nice to see you here. And I'm Lyndall Johnson, one of the Sims Local Dharma Leaders, and I'm going to be leading our meditation and giving the Dharma talk this morning. So as uh, many of you know who have been here before, right now we're doing a series on the three poisons, greed, hatred, and delusion. And this month, we're starting with a new poison, the poison of delusion. And so I'm going to begin our investigation of delusion this week with kind of an introduction to an overview of this topic. So I'll be kind of going over various aspects of it, and then the other LDLs in the coming weeks will go into more depth on this poison of delusion from their own particular viewpoints. And I'm not sure about you, but I know that for me, I feel like of all the poisons, delusion is probably the most challenging. In some ways, hatred seems the most damaging, but delusion is so hard to work with. I mean, it's so pervasive and so much a part of all of our experience. Sometimes it feels like it's everywhere at least a little bit. And it can be so subtle and so hard to recognize when we're caught up in it that we don't even realize delusion is there. And in preparing this talk too, I found that uh, delusion was a lot more of a slippery customer than I expected. It was harder to get a good hold on it than I thought it would be. I was a little surprised although maybe that's not really so surprising given that we're dealing with delusion. But part of the reason it surprised me was because I feel like it's a one of those poisons that's kind of familiar to me and that I'm somewhat prone to get lost in. And I remember noticing that connection some years ago when I was on retreat kind of near the beginning of my practice when I was first learning about delusion from the uh, Buddhist perspective. And on this one particular day, our teacher gave a talk about the three poisons, as well as something about the three Buddhist personality types that go along with them, the greedy, the aversive, and the deluded. So this teaching about the personality types that I mentioned before is uh found in the Visuddhimagga, which is a famous Theravadan manual on Buddhist practice that was written way long ago in the 5th century AD by the monk, scholar, and commentator Buddhaghosa. And he talks about these three types. Um, and they're brought up because it sort of helps in terms of guiding people about the kinds of practices that they should do, their mental tendencies. But he um, has some descriptions about recognizing these types on the basis of the way they behave. And the descriptions are sort of funny. And it's a little bit like what you'd expect. The greedy type is very graceful and careful. And they arrange their robes or clothing just so. They eat slowly and really savor their food. And the aversive type is very rigid and tight 
and they tend to do things in kind of a hasty and irritated manner and they wear their robes wrapped around them tightly and they delude and they eat quickly and then they complain about the food if they don't like it and they usually find something not to like. The deluded type, on the other hand, is kind of muddled and hesitant and uncertain. They wear their robes in sort of a loose, messy way. And when they eat, they drop bits of food into their dish or on their clothes. And their mind, as they're eating, is astray, thinking of this and that. So during this Dharma talk, we heard these descriptions. We kind of laughed at them. And then later at one of the meals, I was thinking about this, and I looked down and noticed all the crumbs on the table around my plate and the stain on my T-shirt where I'd spilled some curry the other day. And then I noticed the fact that my T-shirt itself was on inside out. And I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> I guess I know what type I am. <laughs> so, you know, of course it isn't a good idea to get too caught up in these personality types, but noticing this did make me take a little bit more notice of the times when I did tend to go off in a daydream and not pay attention. In the end, though, whether we're daydreamers or not, delusion is something that all of us fall into and that all of us are prone to. Whenever we get caught up in greed or hatred, delusion is there too, leading us to think that if we can just get that wonderful thing we want, or we can just get rid of that unpleasant or painful thing we don't want, everything's going to be great, finally, forever. Or maybe we think what's happening is all our fault, or all somebody else's fault that it shouldn't be happening, even though it already is happening and there's not much we can do about our idea that it shouldn't be happening. Or maybe feeling like what's happening now is always going to be this way. Or any of those other things we think about that we've been talking about quite a bit over the past months, that we think when our ideas don't really line up with the truths of Dukkha and Nietzsche and Anatta. But of course delusion isn't only present in connection with greed and hatred. It's present in its own right, in its own various forms. And the forms it shows up in, I found when I was preparing this talk, they can be a little confusing compared to greed and hatred. With greed and hatred, often the different forms are more kind of like a continuum from something that's very mild to something that's quite intense. And delusion can be like that too, but it also can take on different aspects that don't seem all that similar. So I'd like to talk a little bit about these different aspects and the way that delusion can show up for us. So one of the ways that delusion creeps into our minds is through the simple lack of attention. It's a matter of not knowing clearly what's going on because we're just not being mindful. And this is something we experience 
a lot of the time. I, I do. I'm sure all of you do too. We experience this kind of delusion when we're lost in thought and caught up in plans or daydreams and not aware of the present moment, probably not even aware that our minds are off in a fantasy. It happens when we're doing something that's so familiar that we're just operating on autopilot. And we're not really noticing what's going on around us. Or it might be when we're multitasking. Oops. And our minds are partly on, say, doing the dishes, partly on a conversation we're having with somebody, partly on some program on TV that's playing in the background. Our attention isn't really given fully to anything. Or this might happen when we're sleepy or mentally sluggish and we just don't have the mental energy to pay attention to what's going on. And, you know, if we recognize that, you know, we're not fully paying attention or we're distracted or we're tired, you know, this is fine. We don't get so caught up in this poison aspect of delusion we sort of realize what's happening and we're more in connection with the present but we don't always do that and no matter what the specific situation is distractedness sleepiness whatever when we're not willing or able to pay attention we're not fully in contact with our present moment experience and if we're not in contact, we're not really seeing it clearly or not as clearly as we could. And because of this, it's very easy for us to draw the wrong conclusions about what we see. Our information is incomplete or faulty. Our perceptions might be inaccurate. So we're likely to misinterpret a situation, not even see a situation or believe something that isn't true. And that's another aspect of delusion when we're caught up in a view of things that's inaccurate or untrue. untrue. When we're deluded, we're wrong about what we think we're seeing. It really isn't the way we think it is. And in the Buddhist teachings, one of the most significant forms of delusion is failing to recognize the three characteristics, dukkha, or suffering, and Nietzsche, or impermanence, and anatta, or no self. Not self, which we've been discussing earlier this year, and which probably are pretty familiar by now to many of you. So in other words, when we get caught in delusion, we're taking what's impermanent as permanent. We're taking what's not ever going to be ultimately satisfying as something that's going to bring us lasting happiness. And we take what is impersonal as personal, all about us. Or it might be that we don't really see or understand how all things arise from a web of causes and conditions. And so we feel either as though we're in total control of everything or we feel as if what we do really doesn't matter and doesn't have any consequences. So in short, you might say that delusion is the opposite of a wise view. 
And I know that when I start getting confused and frustrated and discouraged in my own practice, I can be pretty sure that there's some aspect of this type of delusion in there. You know, I'm not really present with what's actually happening, and I'm caught up in my own ideas about what should be happening. Confusing the impermanent with the permanent, and most especially confusing and taking something that's impersonal as being personal, all about me identifying with it. And of course, as well as framing our delusion in line with the Buddhist teachings, we can also recognize all the ways that we fall into delusion in a more kind of everyday sense. We can be wrong about what we think others think and feel, wrong about what's happening in a particular sense, in a particular situation, because of our lack of clarity, our faulty information. And often our unquestioned perceptions or assumptions about what's going on. We don't really look. We figure we already know. And maybe we really don't. Another way we can look at delusion is through the lens of the deluded personality type or mindset. And as I mentioned earlier, this deluded type is often described as being muddled or hesitant or uncertain. And sometimes this deluded mind state is referred to as confused. Now, when we're deluded, we don't necessarily can feel confused. And this can be something that can sort of get us a little bit wrapped around the axle if we have the idea that confusion is delusion or always a part of it. I mean, in a certain sense it is because our view is not accurate, but we may not feel confused. We can be very wrong, but at the same time very certain about our beliefs. And when our delusions involve craving and aversion, a lot of times that's just the case. We're very convinced that we're right about what we want or what we don't want, and what we ought to do to remedy this situation. But that sort of wrong, but certain in our wrongness, isn't always our mindset. There's also that muddled aspect. The Pali word for delusion is boha. And in an article by Sharon Salzberg that I read about this topic, she tells us that moha means something like stupefied. And of course, most of us wouldn't want to ever admit that we were stupefied. But if we're honest, we know that sometimes delusion does show up with us in that way. And in her article, Sharon has a really vivid description of this feeling. She says that in everyday life, delusion is the feeling of being on the road and suddenly knowing Suddenly not knowing or if you're if you're in Massachusetts or in Connecticut and maybe not sure of why you're even going there. And I think we all know that feeling, you know, we're so lost in thought or daydreaming that we forget what we're actually doing. You might say that we're spaced out or in a daze. And then Sharon goes on to describe this delusion as a state where we feel numb cocooned in a fog, disconnected, 
and typically not caring that we are in this state. In fact, we might even like it. When lost in a fog, we don't have to be too aware of discomfort. And this brings up another aspect of delusion. We can use it as a way to cope with the unpleasant. Our default when we're faced with the unpleasant is often to get irritated or angry, and we discussed this quite a bit last month. But we might also respond by spacing out, by retreating into fantasy, by ignoring the unpleasant or the difficult. We won't, don't want to deal with this unpleasant thing, so we just pretend it isn't really there. We distract ourselves in so many ways, maybe with TV or movies or novels, with food or alcohol or drugs or shopping. There's just tons of options that we can use to numb ourselves out and help us forget about the things we would rather not face or rather not think about. And I know I'm certainly prone to this mode of dealing with unpleasant things. Sharon Salzberg describes this situation very well. She says, uncertainty, confusion, or uneasiness causes us to space out or become numb. And then she goes on to say, if that doesn't seem to provide the precise relief we are seeking, we then might cling to rigid stories, assumptions, judgments, and perceptions. And so here, She's talking about that form of delusion where we're wrong, but we're sure we are right, and we insist on our rightness because that makes us feel safe. But whichever road we take, the uh, numbing out and distraction or the insisting that we're right, even when we're not, either of these responses really obscures our ability to see clearly and keeps us from knowing what's true. But I'd like to come back again for a moment to that muddled state itself, the uncertainty and the confusion. And this article of Sharon Salzberg's was great. She had a really good way of describing this kind of muddled mind too, saying, in some sense, delusion is a state of not realizing what it is we actually know and what we don't know and not asking the right questions. So that's not a bad description of a confused or muddled mind state. We can be in a state where we're uncertain about our own perceptions. Maybe we don't have a strong preference or opinion, but we feel like we ought to. We feel like we just don't know what's going on, maybe compared to others around us, and so we're uneasy and, and hesitant and indecisive. And it's easy to be in that state. And yet, our sense that things are uncertain, ambiguous, and confusing is actually, you know, not necessarily wrong. We may not have the understanding to recognize that really is how things are, but maybe it is. In his poem, A Letter to My Daughter, Teddy Macker says, Life appears to be fundamentally ambiguous, wily, every colored, unpin-downable. For evidence of this, spend time with trees. Over and over they say, 
there is no final word. And big decisions, decisions concerning relationships, concerning children, concerning death, are rarely made cleanly. And if we reflect, we know how true that is. And so this failure to latch on to everything is either pleasant or unpleasant, wanted or unwanted. Um, this sort of confusion about that very thing that is sometimes characteristic of a deluded mindset might actually be a kind of wisdom, although we don't realize this since, as Sharon says, we don't realize what we know or what we don't know. And this is one of the things that the Visuddhimagga teaches about the deluded mindset. That if we're able to resist that tendency to just zone out and become numb or retreat into fantasy in the face of what's uncertain or confusing or difficult, we can learn to really see ambiguity as it is. And our attitude can mature into equanimity that can really see and accept the ambivalent nature of so much of our experience. And when we're in this state, we know what we don't know. And recognizing what we don't know, we don't get caught in that poison of delusion. Because we see where we're not clear. We see where maybe we need to be cautious and not rush into action or judgment. Learn more, get more information. It's sort of interesting, too, that when we get caught in the deluded mindset that causes us to become numb, we often move into indifference. And that's the near enemy of equanimity. So we're sort of in a place that's a little bit like equanimity, but not really there. But when we really see through this deluded way of responding and move past it, then we can develop into true equanimity where we're connecting and seeing clearly but able to be with what is uncertain, ambiguous, and unknown. So to keep our introduction complete, since we mentioned it before with greed um, and hatred, I should also mention that um, like greed and hatred, delusion is also associated with a Vedana or feeling tone and that cycle of dependent origination that springs from that response to the Vedana. Although it's a little more complicated with delusion than it is with greed and hatred. Um, as I mentioned before, whenever we react to the pleasant or unpleasant by getting caught up in greed or hatred, delusion is present in some form. When we move from just recognizing the pleasant or unpleasant to feeling like we ought to be able to hang on to the pleasant and get rid of the unpleasant, delusion is already kind of coming in there. And we, when we start to identify with those things we like and don't like, the delusion gets even deeper. But it's true, too, that delusion can be especially likely to arise when we come into contact with something that's neutral. Because neutral things don't really capture our attention. So it's easy to ignore them, go on autopilot, wander off into fantasy, get lost in thought. We might 
uh, stop paying attention in the face of the neutral. And whenever that happens, delusion is going to creep in. And it might be, too, that the kind of numbness or failure to connect that often goes with delusion can give our experiences a kind of neutral quality. We might not let ourselves get close enough to our present moment's experience to really have a strong reaction. So there's this connection between delusion and the neutral Vedana, but it's not necessarily as simple and straightforward as it could be. I'm not going to say too much about working with delusion today because this is already getting to be a pretty long and convoluted talk. And I think that our other LDLs will really cover this very well in the coming weeks. But I will say that it can be quite challenging because when we're in the thick of delusion, we don't often realize we're deluded. We often see it in retrospect. You know, if you just think of how it is when we're meditating and we get lost in thought, we realize we were lost in thought in that moment when we wake up and return to the present. And it's a lot like that in life, too. You know, where years later we look back on some of the things we've done and we're like, whoa, man, what was I thinking? (laughs) I guess I wasn't thinking. And yet we shouldn't underestimate those moments when we do wake up and realize how mistaken and confused we were. The fact that this happens at all is really kind of a victory. And it's a good thing that we do see it. Also, we might be able to recognize our delusion a bit more quickly by paying attention to the times when we're suffering. If we're experiencing that kind of dukkha of the second arrow, all that mental pain and reactivity to something that's going on that we don't want, we can be pretty sure that delusion is present somewhere. And also we can remember that mindfulness is our first and most important defense against delusion. So developing the habit of paying attention really helps. of being willing to face and sit with uncertainty and confusion of ambiguity instead of going numb or spacing out. Doing what we can to be willing to see things as they are, as best we are able. It's not a very easy thing. It can be a high bar. But mindfulness is key. So for today, I'll leave it at that. And I'd like to close with a poem by Jane Hirschfield called Meeting the Light Completely, which I think sort of speaks to delusion and recognizing our delusion. She says, Even the long-beloved was once an unrecognized stranger. Just so, the chipped lip of the blue-glazed cup, blown feel of a yellow curtain, might also, flooding and falling, ruin your heart. A table painted with roses, an empty clothesline. Each time, 
The found world surprises. That is its nature. And then what is said by all lovers, what fools we were not to have seen. So often what we feel when we see our own delusion, what fools we were not to have seen. Thanks all for your attention this morning. And now we have some time for group discussion. For our discussion today, I'd like to invite you to just share your own experience with delusion. How does it show up in your life, in your meditation practice? Are you one of those who's prone to distract themselves and numb out? Is it more that sort of sense of being wrong but really, really sure that you are right? <laughs> um, what are your challenges working with it? Maybe you have some thoughts about what you would like to learn about it over the next month. So, you know, whatever is on your mind now from this introduction to the topic, you can feel free to share, remembering our ground rules as you talk, giving each person their chance to speak without being interrupted, listening mindfully, refraining from trying to give advice or telling people what to do, speaking with kindness, respecting each other's privacy. I think you kind of know the drill and know what to do. So I'll break you up into groups of three or four. We'll have about 15 minutes or so to speak and then um, get back into the larger group to share. Welcome back. Now we have some time that you're back all together um, for you to share anything that you might like to share um, that came up in your discussion groups. Ask any questions you might like to ask. Just have some time for discussion with the group as a whole. And it looks like Allison has something that she would like to say. So go ahead and mute yourself. Unmute yourself, Allison. Good morning, everyone. Um, Linda, I was just wondering if you could share the title or the link to the Sharon Salzberg article that you mentioned. Um, it sounded really interesting, and I'd love to read it to get to it oh. more. It was called Delusion is a Hindrance to Insight. So you might be able to find it just by Googling that. By Sharon Salzberg. Yeah, it was a very good article. Thank you. Okay, anybody else? Uh, Lauren. I was interested in that article also, and I, I believe you said she said something like we, it's important to realize what we don't know and what we do know, and that we need to ask the right questions. And I'm wondering if she mm -hmm. gave any questions to ask. Like, no, is she true or? No. Yeah, yeah. 
She didn't really give questions. She just kind of said that, that when we're caught in delusion, we don't, we don't know what we know and we don't know. What we don't know. Uh, this is kind of like the definition of how yeah. we get there. One of the, yeah. Okay. And then, um, the poem by Jane Hirschfield, um, and the surprised, well, it reminded me of surprised by joy. And was she saying, I can't remember the poem, was she saying kind of that um, we, like we don't realize what is right there. We don't know it. And I think so. Mm-hmm. It, and it was more than neutral, right? It's like maybe reframing what we look at because we're drawn to a lot of things that we think are important and beautiful and wonderful and positive or the opposite. But it seemed like she was saying there is, if we're really in the moment, if we're really mindful, so much more is revealed of what's really true and present, something like that. I don't know. Um, yes. I like the poem. So something, I was something yeah. like that, that sort of sense that the what's actually there is always more than our idea of it. Yeah, yeah. And when we see that we're like, how could I not have seen? Right, right. Thank you. Her poems are always sort of, I mean, there's so many, much symbolism. They're sort of obscure, but you kind of get this feeling from it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Jean? Oh, thank you. Uh, great subject. Uh, I'm looking forward to what can be revealed in this month. Um and I was aware of that. Uh, this is something that I think might be true, but didn't get mentioned. And that was that um, sometimes I use spiritual bypass as a way to live in delusion uh, rather than uh, face the ugly for what it is or the bad or the unpleasant. That's a good Buddhist term. Um, I can find some way to skip over it um, in a spiritual bypass manner. So thank you. Just an observation. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's very, very true, too. I mean, it's really easy to use the sort of theories or ideas of the practice and and sort of not confront the pain by saying, you know, like, you know, it's sort of like the attitude of mind that says this isn't going to last without really confronting what's there or yeah there's lots of ways we can do it there's lots of ways we can do it and i think we can also be in that sense of we don't really know what we know and we don't what we don't know what we don't know we can think that we know (laughs) and then find out later 
Well, no, I really didn't understand that after all. <laughs> and maybe we don't want to know. <laughs> and maybe we don't want to know. Yeah. And I, I think that that is something that we need to face in practice too, that there are times when it's just a little bit too frightening for us and we don't want to know. Mm-hmm. And it can be like that. So it has been like that for me lately. It's it's so, been like that for me too. Yeah. So thank you for bringing that up. That's a really good point. It can creep into many many aspects of our lives, mm-hmm. including our spiritual lives. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for your good observations and for being here. I think this is going to be a really interesting month (laughs) to look at this challenging topic. So let's sit together for a few moments now to close our meeting together today. Taking a moment to share the merit of our practice, maybe with some special people in our lives who need a little bit of extra consideration, maybe people that are dear to us and who have passed on. Perhaps thinking of those special people, offering for them to share in the merit of this time that we had together. And then extending that sense to all beings, may all beings, wherever they are, share in the merit of our practice and the force for good that doing this kind of work generates in our lives and in the lives that we touch. May our hearts be at ease. May our understanding be clear. And may we be free of delusion. So thanks to everybody for being here today and have a wonderful rest of this long weekend. <laughs>